everyone. My name is Stephen Greenlee. Um, me and my family have been a part of Northwest for four years, I believe. Um, this summer, I will be salt and light at South College, uh, where I'll be starting school in a few days. Um, today, this scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. I'll give you all a second to turn there. Starting in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Stephen. Go ahead and put the next uh, picture up there. You got up there? All right. So this is a picture of me and Lindsay from about 15 years ago. If you've been to church office, you might have seen this because this is a picture that was on the brochures that we gave out when we were missionaries in China or when people were praying for us. This picture was there. So um, Gazel Lee when she saw this picture the first time, she said, wow, Lindsay looks great. <laughs> and Lindsay still looks great. Lindsay hasn't aged at all. I was like, anything else you, anybody else that maybe still looks good? Um, but I, so besides the fact that Lindsay doesn't seem like she's aged and I seem like I have aged quite a bit, um, do you notice anything about this picture? I don't know how obvious it is to you, but there's one thing when I look at this picture that stands out to me, and that is, so a, I don't know how long it was before, I'll say maybe, maybe a few months. This was when we were about, we we're about 25 or so when this picture was taken, and we just gotten married, and I remember Lindsay and I were, uh, we were walking one day, and, and I, I saw this watch, okay, I saw this watch that was in, in a store, and you know, I'm, I just got married. I never really had like a like a, a grown man watch before. You know, I'm talking about a grown man watch, like not just kind of the Timex that um, you know for keeping time, but like the, this is a this is a respectable watch uh, type of watch. And I saw this watch, and I was like, oh my goodness, I really need that watch. And I just started thinking, I know this is, I mean, I, I like telling embarrassing stories about myself for some reason, but I know this is stupid, but what I, was thinking, I was like, man, think how much people would respect me <laughs> if I, you know, that's the type of watch that, hmm, no, yes, okay, yeah. Um, 
And, uh, and so, so I bought this watch, and I never spent that. I mean, it was like $100, $150, something like that. Uh, so I had this watch. I was really, really proud of this watch. And so I don't know how obvious it is, but for a while after, when I was taking pictures, <laughs> sometimes, without wanting to be too obvious, I would maybe, just for, you know, I wasn't going to be like, eh, look at this watch. But I would kind of, you know, if, if it seemed to make sense, oh, I'm just, I'm just putting my hand on, on Lindsay. And oh, 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 th- th- this is not, it's just this watch that I got, you know. Um, and, and so, um, so that, that's the story behind the, the watch and the story behind that, that picture. Well, so a few months after that, I was so proud of this watch. A few months after that, the battery in the watch, it broke. Not a few months, it was like a year or so. It was a good watch. The, the battery in the watch stopped working. And you have never seen me wear that watch because I never replaced the battery. And the reason I never replaced the battery is because, to be perfectly honest, I kind of lost interest in it. You know, it felt so, you know, seeing it in the store, was like, oh, man, it will be so cool to have that. And then wearing it, like, oh, I feel like such an adult or, or, or whatever. But after, you know, after a, after a year and change, it wasn't quite as big of a deal anymore. You know, the reason that I tell the story is because today we're talking, as we continue walking through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus telling us what a life looks like when we live in his kingdom, when we take every aspect of our lives and put it under his authority, under his control, under his reign, with him as our king and his kingdom. Today Jesus is talking about money. And I just wanna say from the outset that I believe that this is a generous church. I believe this is a generous church. I think that, I mean, man, I was blown away when we were raising money for for the building and the the generosity from from you, the generosity that I see in our church, helping people who are in need, supporting the gospel, supporting the church. This is a generous church. And so I was almost, I was praying this week and I was like, God, I, I mean, I don't want them to think I'm, hitting them up for money again, or like we were talking about money again, but I, I felt the Lord was, was telling me, you know, this is something that Jesus talks about a lot. He talks about money a, a lot. And so the reason that we're, we're, we're talking about this today is not because we're, we're trying to hit you up for more money or, or, or something like that. It's because we wanna leave no stone unturned as we explore and as we look at and as we examine what it means to live in Jesus' kingdom. And money's a big deal to Jesus, and so um, that's why we're talking about it today. And so the reason I showed this picture is because the, the main point, and you can write this down if you want, the, the, the main point that I think Jesus is getting at in this passage that Stefan just read is Jesus is telling us, don't spend your money on things that will break, that'll get lost, that'll fade. Don't spend your money on stuff. Instead, invest your money in things that have eternal value. Invest your money in things that have eternal value. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So this is where we're going today. This is the outline. You can write this down if you like so you can know where we're, you can track with me. We're gonna talk about four things. We're talking about investing in eternity. 
not in things that, that break or that we lose interest in, like a watch or, or, or something like that, but investing it in eternal things. So we're gonna look at four things here. We're gonna look at investing, what this passage has to say about investing. Then we're gonna look at treasure on earth. We're gonna look at treasure in heaven. And then finally, we're gonna talk really practically about what we, what you and I, and what we can do to invest in, in treasure in heaven. Sound good? All right, well, let's, um, let's look at the first part. So in, for, first of all, let's talk about investing. Well, Jesus says something here that is kind of hard to understand at first glance. He talks about our eyes. He says the eye is the lamp of the body. And so what Jesus is doing here, he's, he's, having, he's using a metaphor. He's, um, it's kind of, you've heard the phrase, like the eye is the window to the soul, right? What Jesus is saying is like the, the eye is the window um, that lets the light in. Okay, light, good, darkness, bad. And so the eye, what we're looking at, is what is shining into our life. So if you're looking, if your eyes are fixed on something that's brilliant and radiant and glorious and is truly valuable, that's gonna affect your whole body. It's gonna affect your whole life. Your whole life is gonna be full of glory. It's gonna be full of the fruit of the spirit. It's gonna be full of it's gonna be healthy, it's gonna be good. But on the other hand, if, you, if you're looking at things that aren't truly glorious, if you're looking at things that are dim and that are dingy and that aren't eternally valuable, then that's gonna have an effect on your whole body, on your whole life as well. Think about this in terms of investing. So imagine a first century in Jesus' time, a, 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 business, a businessman walking through the market and one of the most important things with investing is assessing value. Am I right there? Th those of you that are investors, money managers, say assessing value is very important when it comes to deciding how we're gonna invest and what we're gonna invest in, right? So the, think about that businessman. He's looking through the market, he's looking at all these different things and he's, he's assessing the value, trying to say, okay, what is truly valuable? What is going to increase in value so I can spend my money to acquire it, right? That's what investing, that's what investing is. And so he, how does he assess the value? He assesses the value with his eyes. So you, you see this, this jewel at the marketplace or something and you pick it up and, you, and it's okay, is this a real diamond or is this a fake diamond? Well, how do you tell? Well, you look at it, you turn it over, you look at it from different angles and if you have a good eye, if your eye is good, then as an investor, your house is gonna be full of priceless treasure because you're gonna be able to tell what's valuable and what's not valuable, what's real and what's fake, what's glorious and what's dingy. On the other hand, if your eye is bad and you can't tell the difference between the fake jewel and the real jewel and the thing that's gonna increase in value and the thing that's gonna decrease in value, well, your house is gonna be full of, of, of a lot of junk, right? So that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, let me ask you this question. What has caught your eye recently? What has caught your eye recently? What is something that you think, man, if I just had a little bit more money, I would really love to do blank. What has caught your eye recently? You know, one of the reasons that we talk all the time about having an open Bible is because one of the things that we do 
when we take God's word and we get alone with it and we spend time with it and we read it for ourselves, one of the things that happens is God starts to fix our eyes. God starts to rewire our brains. The, the, the biblical word for this in, in Romans chapter 12, he renews our minds, helps us to see the way he sees, helps our eyes become good at assessing what's truly valuable and what's not truly valuable, right? There's this, this Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 37 says this, I love this. It says, this is a prayer, the psalmist is praying. It says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh God, please, my, I'm bombarded with all of these things that are trying to grab my attention. Things that are telling me, you need this, you need this, you'll be, you know, you need to do this, you need to be that. God, turn my eyes away from the fake diamond. Turn my eyes to the real treasure. You know, um, I think a good thing to do as we think about reading our Bibles, living life with an open Bible, not just here on Sunday morning, but every day of the week. And, and if that's not a practice that you have, I really encourage you to make it a practice. You know, a really good idea is just take this verse, this verse, Psalm, Psalm 119, 37, make that your prayer before you read the Bible. And I was doing that this morning. I was opening up my Bible and I was reading in Matthew chapter 11. I was just saying, God, open my eyes. Turn my eyes from looking at the worthless, non-valuable things. Give me life in your ways. Okay, so that's, that's investing. Okay, number two. Um, second and third, we're gonna talk about two things that Jesus says we can invest in. So investing is all about what we're looking at, what's valuable, what's not valuable. And for an investor, when you find something that's valuable, again, you wanna, you wanna put your money into it you want to spend your money there to acquire it, to have that, that treasure because it's going to increase in value. Okay, so what should we be investing in? Well, Jesus talks about two things that we can invest in here in this passage. He first talks about treasure on earth. I think another word for this that, that we, we could use would be stuff. Treasure on earth, stuff. Thinking about cars or phones, electronics, a, a really big house, clothes, watches, you know, jewelry, stuff like that. This, this stuff, and what Jesus says is, he says, don't lay up for yourself treasure, treasures on earth. Well, why? It's not because if you lay up treasure on earth, God won't love you as much. So that's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, don't lay up treasure on earth, why? He's saying it's, a, it's an investment decision because all of those things are gonna fade. The, the watch, the battery breaks, you lose your interest in it. Those clothes that we're so excited about, you know, they go out of style. That car that we you know, just think, oh man, if I had this, I can't wait until I get this. Once we get it, you know, it gets a scratch on it. It gets in a wreck. Houses get termites. Housing markets crash, right? All of these things in one way or another are ultimately gonna depreciate in value. 
let me ask you this question. This is a really strange question. You know, I, I just bought a house. Uh, I bought a, bought a really nice house. I'm really thankful for that house. Um, one of the things that people tell you when you're buying a house is, you know, this is going. This is an investment, and that's true. That's completely true, right? And and one thing that people will tell you is, okay, you know, your car, as soon as you drive drive it off the lot, it's going to lose value, right? But your house, it's going to do what? It's going to increase, right? And so one of the things that we were thinking about is we're, we're kind of processing this decision. Oh my gosh, we have to spend how much to buy a house? Is okay. This is this might feel like a lot, but it's a it's an appreciating asset. Right, it's gonna in, in five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, the value's gonna go up, hopefully. <laughs> How much do you think my house is going to be worth in a thousand years? How much do you think my house is gonna be worth in a thousand years? It's gonna be worth nothing, right? You know, we think of investments, we think of a long-term investment, we think of, we think of five years. We think of 10 years. Maybe we're, maybe some of us that are really, that, that are very responsible, we're thinking, we're thinking, I wanna leave, you know, money to the next generation. We're thinking 100 years down the road. When Jesus says, think long-term, he's not talking about 50 years from now. He's talking about 1,000 years from now. And again, is it a sin? to have a nice house? No, it's not a sin to have a nice house. Is it a sin to buy a nice watch? No, it's not a sin to buy a nice, nice watch. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's not the most profitable long-term investment. Okay, that's the first one that we can invest in. That's the, uh, the treasure on earth. The second thing, our third point up here, is treasure in heaven. What does Jesus say here? He says, don't, don't weigh up your treasure on, on earth because it's gonna get stolen, it's gonna, it's gonna rust, it's gonna go bad, you're gonna lose interest in it. Instead, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Well, heaven is this word that Matthew uses a lot. Heaven is God's realm, okay? Heaven, it doesn't just mean like the sky, it, it means God's realm. That's why the kingdom of God is the kingdom of what? Kingdom of heaven, right? Um, Jesus prays, he says, let your will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. God is our Father in heaven. And so when, um, when, when Jesus says God is our Father in heaven, he's not saying, you know, God's our, our Father like up in the clouds somewhere. He's saying he is, he is our Father, our heavenly Father, our Father in the spiritual realm, in God's realm where Jesus is king. Okay, so when, and the thing about God's realm, the thing about heaven, the thing about the kingdom of heaven is that it lasts forever. It doesn't fade. It doesn't get lost. You don't lose interest in it. It's not a depreciating asset. It's an appreciating asset. And Jesus says, lay up your treasure there, invest your money there. Why? Because its value's going up. A thousand years from now, a million years from now, its value's going, going up. Well, this leads us to the fourth point, which is really the, I mean, what do you want to call it, the million dollar question? The, the infinitely valuable question? How can you and I invest in heavenly treasure? I know how to buy a watch. I know what I need to do to buy a watch or a car or a house. What do we do, you know, where do I go buy that? Okay, where's the store that sells 
treasure in heaven. Well, a, a good idea, and again, just going back to the importance of spending time in God's word by ourselves, okay? And this is a good biblical principle. You know, so often, you ever had this experience, you read the Bible, you kind of get stuck. You read a passage like this, and you're like, treasure in heaven, what's this talking about? And you're like, oh, I don't know. And then, and either you kind of say, oh, well, I guess I'll just, I guess God didn't have anything for me today, or, or, or you just go immediately to Google, or you go immediately to commentaries. Here's a really good principle as you're reading your own Bible. Use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Okay, that, is, that's, that's, that doesn't seem super profound, but the, the best commentary on the Bible is actually the Bible. And so here's what I mean, is that when you come to a phrase or, or a passage that you can't understand, a really good thing to do is look at that phrase, look at that passage, look at that word, and see where else in the Bible does Jesus talk about this? Where else in the New Testament, where else in the Bible is this same topic mentioned? And sometimes there's gonna be a really clear passage over here that helps explain this passage that you know isn't quite as clear or specific over here. Does that make sense? So let's try that. Well, if you were to just do a search on your Bible app for treasure in heaven, here's two passages that you would, that, that you would find. Um, the first one, or one of them, would be in Matthew 19. Go ahead and turn me to Matthew 19. Matthew 19, uh, 16. This is the story of the rich young ruler. Now, the rich young ruler, he, he's this guy. Uh, he's, he's rich, and he's young, and he's a ruler, Right? Um, he, you know, he's not, he's not Caesar, he, he, he's not like the emperor, he, he's not Jeff Bezos, but you know, he's, he's, he's well off. He can afford to live in that neighborhood instead of that neighborhood. He can afford to drive that car instead of that car. He can afford to wear that brand instead of that brand, right? He, he's, 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 he has a lot of money. And so he has this conversation with Jesus, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And they go this back and forth where Jesus is like, you obey the commandments. Oh, I obey all the commandments. And Jesus is like, really? You really do? He's like, yeah, I obey all the commandments. And then this is what Jesus says. And this is so good in verse 21, Matthew 19, verse 21. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, remember, you must be perfect as your father in heaven is, is perfect. Jesus said, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have what? Treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. Okay, so how did Jesus say that we can get treasure in heaven? You help the poor, right? Well, every single commentary or sermon that I've ever listened to or read on this passage immediately jumps into all the reasons why that's not what God is telling you to do. Don't worry, that's, that's not what God's saying. What God really means is like, you know, tithe or, or, or something like that. Um, and and it's, it's tempting as we look at this to come up with all these reasons why, okay, that was just something Jesus said in this, this one time to this one guy, that was his idol, his idol was money, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't like a, a general principle that Jesus had. Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 12. And this is another one, if you, um, if you just did a, a simple search in your Bible app for treasure in heaven, this is, this is another verse that would come up. And, and by the way, it's also the same phrase, the same words in the, in the original Greek language too. Um, Luke, 20, Luke 12, 32 
through 34. This is the parallel passage. This is Luke's version of the same teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. This is one of my favorite verses. I love what he says here. He says, fear not, little flock. Are you scared? Are you worried? Fear not, little flock. Why? God, Jesus, there's all these things in the world. There's all these expenses. There's all these threats. There's all these things to worry about. Fear not, little flock. Why? For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom is something God gives us, not something we have to earn, not something we have to buy. Fear not, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fade, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what's Jesus' answer? How do we acquire treasure in heaven? Where's that sold? What do you click on? What app do you need for that? Jesus' answer is help the poor, help the needy, help the people that can't help you back, help the people that have more needs than you do. You know, um, so does this mean we should all be homeless? That's the question we're all thinking. I'll just, I'll just say it. Um, well, I don't think it does. <laughs> don't worry. We don't have to be, all have to be homeless. Hope you're relieved to hear me say that. Um, you, you know, as you look at Jesus' teachings, as you look at the disciples in the New Testament, um, we see disciples that are, that are well off. We see disciples that are, that are rich, that have nice houses, that have nice things. You look through the book of Proverbs. It's full of just encouragement and teaching on the, the wisdom of investing, the wisdom of saving, the wisdom of providing an inheritance to your children and your children's children and, and saving up money and, and stuff like that. So, no, I think Jesus is using a little bit of hyperbole here. But I think that the sense of what Jesus is saying, there's a, a guy named Randy Alcorn who wrote this book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. And this is, what he, this is what he says in this book. He says, a disciple does not ask, how much can I keep? But how much can I give? So often we, we approach this idea of money with like, how much can I keep? Jesus, I have to give 10%, I have to give this, I have to give that. How much can I keep? And Jesus says, that's not the way a disciple thinks. A disciple says, how much can I give? You think about this for a second. If I were to tell you that there was this stock, there was this fund, and I don't know how I know this, but just assume that I knew this and you trusted me. Um, if I were to tell you there's this, there's this stock that is 100% guaranteed to increase in value exponentially for all of eternity. Compounding interest, com you know, exponential growth forever. You wouldn't just be like, well, I guess I have to put some money into that. You would say, how far can I dip into my savings? How far can I afford to dip into savings to get some of that? 
well, what can I downsize to invest in that? Because that's gonna be so valuable. What can, well, is there anything I can sell to, to get more of this? Because I want as much of this as I can, as I can have, because this is what, this is the real diamond. And what Jesus is saying here, in Jesus's, from Jesus' perspective, in Jesus' teaching, that blue chip stock, that real diamond, that asset that's going to exponentially appreciate forever is helping the poor and needy. Let's talk about what this looks like for us personally. What are you investing in? When you think about yourself, are you investing more in stuff like watches, you know, cars, how, whatever, are you investing more in that or are you investing more in things that have eternal value? You know, Jesus says in verse 21 in this passage we just read, he says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Where has your heart been recently? What have you been caring about most recently? You know, Jesus is not saying give to what you feel passionate about. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, are you feeling apathetic towards the things of God? Do you find it, do you read your Bible sometimes and find it hard to get excited about the things that, that you're reading? Do you, find, do you find things in the world, the stuff, much more attractive then you find things that have eternal value like helping poor people or sharing the gospel or, 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 or discipling people or, or things like that. You know what the best way, you know what a great way to move your heart is? To move your money. You know, um, 20 years ago, I did not give a flying you know what about mutual funds. So I didn't have any. I didn't care about mutual funds. I was completely oblivious to mutual funds. And then a few years ago, about 10 years ago or so, Lindsay and I started investing in, in some mutual funds. You know what I started caring about a lot more? Mutual funds. It's amazing how that works, right? And when we put our money in something, when we, if we wanna care more about poor people, if we put more money and invest it in helping the poor and needy, guess what we're gonna care more about? Poor people. If we invest more money in God's kingdom and in God's work, guess what we're gonna spend more time thinking about and caring about and, and just wanting to pray for? Those same things, right? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, um, about the same time that I was buying that watch, um, Lindsay and I, we were, yeah, we, we, we started giving, we started, we started giving in a way that for us felt sacrificial. We felt led to take what for us, and again, maybe for you it wouldn't seem like a big chunk of money, but for us it felt like a lot of money. And we, we gave it to this, um, this organization that, was, that their mission is to provide food for children in Christian orphanages. And it was just amazing. Before we kind of pulled the trigger to give that gift, 
I was just so anxious, like, man, is this, is this the right thing to do? Like, oh, you know, are we, does this mean we're not going to be able to buy this? Or does this mean we're going to have to cut back on this? But as soon as we, as soon as we sent that check, as soon as we sent that money, we immediately just felt this gratitude, this peace, and this joy. We felt like that person who, who, bought, the, who, who bought the real diamond for, like, the fake diamond price. It was like, God's allowing us to be part of this? You're telling me there were kids that were on the street that couldn't eat, that didn't have family, that were orphans, and, and you allowed me to use just the, the stuff that's in here that I could use to, to buy watches or, or, or to buy hats or to buy a, a car or, or something. You allowed me to use that to help them have a full belly and to hear the gospel and have people that are taking care of them. That seems like the, the, the best deal ever. Um, as a church, there's two organizations, you can go ahead and go to the next slide. There's two organizations I wanna highlight particularly. If you feel led to give, number one, the Slavic Christian, the, the Slavic Christian Fund. Uh, this is one that we've ta talked to you about before where uh, this is an organization that is currently primarily focusing on relief work for refugees in, in Ukraine, okay? And you know, we were talking to, Matt, Dave, and I were talking to the missionary family that we, that we support that is, that's based out of Ukraine. And, and they're just saying, you know, um, the way these things t tend to work is there's, there's this news cycle where you get all of this news coverage for Ukraine. Oh my gosh, refugees in, in Ukraine. And people give a lot of money. And then after a couple months, people kind of forget about it. And he was saying, these needs are gonna be around for years for decades. This is not, this is going to be an ongoing need for the foreseeable future, right? What a great way to invest in the eternity. Another one, just right here in Cary, um, uh, Dorcas and Cary. It's this organization that has a food bank that, that help people without food. You can go online to their website. You can donate. They have other information about different supplies or things that they need. What does Jesus say? You know, take what you have. Take something that you have that's valuable to you. Sell it and then give it to the needy, and you will have treasure in heaven. Well, finally, I wanna talk about just us as a church. You know, David mentioned, um, well, we were able to give $30,000 to Kenya. I'm not sure how much, how many millions of, uh, I forget what their, their currency unit is, but we're able to give $30,000 because of your generosity, we're able to give $30,000 to, um, to help our brothers and sisters in Kenya. And, I'll just say this, it's so easy as a church, as we talk about building a building, as we think about being planted on that corner, it's so easy when we start doing that to just start thinking all about ourselves, all about our needs. Oh, I hope we can afford to get the big window instead of the smaller or, or whatever it is, all right? We need to hold ourselves accountable. We need, I need you to hold me accountable. We need to hold each other accountable. That, that we, as we think about moving into a building in the next couple years, that we can't make this about us. The more God blesses us, and God's blessed us with a lot, the, the more we, he blesses us with, we need to be a giving church, specifically to people who don't have what they need. You know, a, a second ago I asked you, how much do you think your house or my house is gonna be worth in a thousand years? 
You know, this church building, David was just showing us these really cool pictures of it. How much do you think our church building is going to be worth in a thousand years? Well, I'll tell you this. If we have the attitude, which is easy to have, of, hey, look at us. We have a building. We're, a, we're an adult church now. We're not, we're not just a church plant. We don't have to do set up and tear down every, every week. We're, we're a real church now. Yeah. Look at our building. This is so great. We feel so important. If that's the attitude that we have, a thousand years from now, that church building's not going to be worth anything. In fact, it'll have been a shame. Like, we could have taken that money and helped, helped people that actually needed it. <laughs> but what if, remember a few weeks ago, I, I challenged you guys. I said, what if five years from now, Lord willing, when we're in that building, if we say, how many of the people in the church right now were Christians five years ago? And how many of you were not Christians five years ago? And when we say, who was not a believer five years ago, hands to start shooting up. And we start seeing people who right now are Muslims, are Buddhist, are Hindu, are atheists, have walked away from their faith. And in five years, because we're being salt and light, because we're praying, because we're initiating conversations, they're members of God's family. If that's the way it is, if we really buy into that as our true vision of what it truly means to be salt and light, not just having a cool building, but living with an open Bible, open life, and open faith, I think that building will be priceless. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us the kingdom. Please turn my eyes and our eyes individually, as families, as a church. Please turn our eyes from looking at the things we see on advertisements, the things we see that other people have. Turn our eyes from looking at worthless things from earthly treasures. Give us life in your ways. God, may we truly be a church that no matter what we look like on the outside has eternal value and is continually just stockpiling treasure in your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.